Hello and welcome to Collier Bristow's latest financial services podcast. I'm Robin Henry, Head of Dispute Resolution Services. And I'm Abby Coleman, who's an associate in Robin's team. And in this podcast, we will be looking at the new consumer duty, which the FCA introduced on the 31st of July of this year. So by way of context, it's worth briefly addressing some of the issues which involved consumer protection in the past and the attempts by the FCA to solve that issue. So following the financial crisis in 2008, there have been a number of high-profile scandals relating to customers who've been let down by financial services firms. And the FCA has not really had an overarching way of dealing with those scandals. And the consumer duty is an attempt to correct this. So the rationale behind the consumer duty, as explained by the FCA, is to provide higher and clearer standards of consumer protection, whereby all regulated providers of financial services must put their consumers' needs first and also must be able to evidence to the FCA that they are doing so. That's exactly right. I think, you know, there are specific reasons why the FCA want to do this now rather than at another time. So there are specific things such as the rise in cryptocurrencies and trading in cryptocurrencies. This is presenting a huge challenge for the FCA and other financial regulators around the world because it's an activity which can be run without borders. The FCA has taken a very cautious approach to regulating crypto trading. It's only now just bringing in the first regulations relating to that. But I think they are aware that consumers do need to be protected in this area and in particular in in other areas, particularly uh, in pensions and in protecting consumers from fraud in general. So I think a good place to start is to look at who exactly the new consumer duty affects. So the duty applies to all regulated providers of financial services, including banks, brokers, investment managers offering derivatives, people selling pension products, wherever they are dealing with retail customers. So who's a retail customer? Well, the definition of a retail customer accords with the FCA handbook and varies across sectors. But as a general rule of thumb, it's any customer who doesn't hold themselves out or itself out to be a professional regulated by the FCA. But there are some exceptions. The consumer duty does not apply to activities where an FCA source book currently includes an exemption or opt-out, allowing it to be disapplied to certain customers. An example of that is an unregulated buy-to-let contract. Absolutely. So looking now at how the new consumer duty actually works, it's threefold. There is a new principle, there are cross-cutting rules, and there are also four outcomes. So just taking each of those in turn, the new principle, which applies to retail customers, as Robin's just described, is that a firm must act to deliver good outcomes for retail customers. This is a higher bar to meet than has previously been set by the FCA, FCA, and we will look into what amounts to a good outcome later on in this podcast. There are also the cross-cutting rules, which in essence are treated as guiding behaviours, and these require firms to 
act in good faith towards retail customers, to take reasonable steps to avoid foreseeable harm, and to enable and support retail customers to pursue their financial objectives. As is suggested by their name, these cut across everything and should always be in the minds of financial service providers. Finally, the four outcomes. So these are key elements of the firm consumer relationship. The first concerns communications, namely that communications by the financial services provider must equip consumers to make effective, timely and properly informed decisions about financial products and services. The second outcome is to provide products and services which are specifically designed to meet the needs of consumers and are sold to consumers who have those needs. The third outcome is that any customer service must meet the needs of consumers, enabling them to realise the benefits of products and services and act in their interests without undue hindrance. And finally, the fourth outcome is that the price of products and services should represent fair value for customers. Simple, really, isn't it? <laughs> so we've got, yes, nothing can be more simple than a threefold set of duty that involves one new principle, three cross-cutting rules <laughs> and four outcomes. Uh, now, you might say that's about a lawyer's paradise. That's what we've got to work with. And the intention of the consumer duty uh, seems to be to make the provision of financial services more bespoke to individual customers and to ensure that financial services providers are prioritizing individual customer needs over blanket sales. So looking at how the implementation has gone so far. Well, first of all, firms have had to adapt their internal processes to ensure they're able to achieve and evidence good outcomes. Uh, one example is TC Harrison Group, which is a, a motor retail group, which is investing in its systems and training to help its workforce identify and support vulnerable customers in response to the new consumer duty. And we expect to see similar introductions like this across the board. And the FCA has already made some public interventions following concerns that the increase in interest rates were not being passed on to customers the FCA has requested nine banks and building societies to provide value assessments on their savings products, including interest-bearing savings accounts. But it's all still very new, and I have to say that I hadn't noticed the savings rates of my bank to have gone up considerably <laughs> since the FCA made that request. So we will have to see how that works. No, absolutely. And and as I touched on briefly earlier, one of the biggest challenges is firms actually gaining some clarity as to what a good outcome looks like, this new principle. What does it mean above and beyond what the earlier principles provided for? And really, the, the take-home message from the FCA seems to be, use your own judgment. Even when asked directly in an interview, what does good look like? Ed Smith, who is the FCA head of competition policy, confirmed it would depend on the context, including size of firm, the client base and the products and services that firm supplies. And, and in fairness, it is very tricky for the FCA to be more prescriptive because the services and products which are covered by the consumer duty are so vast and each of them apply to such a range of consumers who each require different things from those products particularly when the cross-cutting rules and outcomes are driving it a bit more of a bespoke service rather than blanket sales, as Robin flagged, it does 
generally have to be on a case-by-case basis. However, the four outcomes and cross-cutting rules are there for a reason. In theory, if you comply with each of them, you can evidence you've taken the steps required to try and achieve a good outcome for your retail customer. But I think a key thing to recommend is firms should really just work closely with the FCA. They're offering a lot of guidance and support in this phase, so it's important for firms to take that on board. And I also suspect there will be more specific examples over time of what a good outcome is not, um, as reported cases are published on FCA enforcement relating to breaches that occur of the consumer duty. But again, these will be very fact-specific as well. Yeah, I'm I'm sure that's right. I'm sure we will get some guidance from not only the FCA, but the courts in time as this new duty beds in. But at the moment, what a breach looks like, or rather a serious breach, which the FCA have said is what they are going to prioritise, has also not been clarified at this stage. The number of customers harmed or at risk seems to be a crucial factor in this, uh, which the FCA is stating that they intend to intervene before harmful practices become entrenched as market norms and that they will focus on the worst offenders who are at risk of having the biggest impact on our financial services industry. So I think that is uh, important because I think they want to nip any incipient financial scandals in the bud rather than let them develop and then have to deal with the fallout at a later stage, as may have happened in the last decade or so. Other factors in terms of looking at what might be a serious breach might include the value of the actual or potential harm in terms of financial loss, the vulnerability of the customers, and the degree to which customers were misled by the firm. And it's also going to be sector specific. At this stage, I don't think it's possible for the FCA to be too prescriptive. Yeah, I completely agree. Another interesting point is how a breach by one firm might implicate another in the same distribution chain. And and the reason we touch on this is that the consumer duty applies across the entirety of a distribution chain from the manufacturer through to the sale and ongoing management or a product or service. This new duty applies across the board. And the starting point is that any FCA regulated firm has a duty to notify the FCA if it suspects or knows that another regulated firm within its own distribution chain is not complying with the consumer duty. But beyond that duty to notify, again, it's down to each firm to ensure its own compliance. This does extend slightly to considering the consumer duty when deciding which firms or distribution chains to contract with as part of your earlier due diligence, but it doesn't appear to extend much beyond that, for example, to needing to monitor or take responsibility for another firm's compliance. And this does make sense as one that would be a very onerous obligation to put on regulated firms and ultimately the monitoring and enforcement of the new consumer duty is the responsibility of the FCA itself. The flip side of all of that must be that another firm's non-compliance cannot excuse your own you will be expected to have acted in accordance with the new principle, the cross-cutting rules, and the four outcomes to the extent that you can. That's interesting. And, and looking at what you've just said in the context of possible claims, is it right that there is no current private right of action based solely on a breach of the consumer duty? 
Yep, that's correct. So there currently is no private right of action. The FCA do have the power to create a private right of action for breach of the new principle, but they haven't decided to do so yet. And looking into their reasons for that, um, one of the key ones was that the new consumer duty is a significant change, which firms and consumers will gain a better understanding of over time. As we've touched on, there's a lot that cannot be too prescriptive and is still fairly broad and set specific. So the FCA want to allow the industry sufficient time to embed the new duty without the threat of private action claims. And even if it were to be introduced, that is more relevant to retail customers bringing claims against firms rather than the claims between firms within the same distribution chain. They'd instead look to existing options for launching civil actions. Yes, that's right. I think there may be scope for uh, firms to bring claims, but that's only if they have built into their contracts with other firms some contractual rights relating to compliance with the uh, consumer duty or making sure that they are provided with information to be disclosed in connection with uh, complying with the consumer duty. So it's possible for firms to build in their own private contractual rights relating to the things that they need to do in order to comply with the duty. They can build that right of action in there. But then again, easier said than done in terms of you'd have to show that causation and loss are proved. And that could be a significant hurdle if the actual loss is only suffered by the third party, i.e. the retail consumer. No, absolutely. And and thinking of one other element there, do you think that mitigation might also come into play? So, for example, is it an argument that the next firm in the chain, who's the claimant in our examples, should have been able to mitigate any loss caused by a firm higher up in the distribution chain by themselves complying with the consumer duty? Yeah, I think I think this whole issue about the distribution chain is going to be very complex because you're going to have different firms within the chain providing different services effectively. You've got the manufacturers of the product who have a duty as to what product they're actually providing. And then the distributors are going to be distributing it, and that's the separate service. And they have a different element of the consumer duty to comply with. So who's actually causing the loss at the end of the day may not be a simple question to answer. That's a brief summary of what uh, we know at the moment about the consumer duty and a lot of how the new duty will play out and how the FCA will deal with some of the issues remains to be seen. In my view, the new duty is very much something which the FCA will choose its battles hopefully wisely on and it's not going to be a blanket imposition where they're coming down heavily on every aspect or every sector in the financial services industry they will look out for i think the most egregious scandals to deal with i think they may well and apart from the fact that they don't have the resources to deal with everything, I think they will leave this duty in their back pocket to use as a deterrent for the industry generally. In the meantime, 
Firms are advised to do their best they can in following the FCA guidance to implement the policy changes that they need to carry out and to consider their contractual arrangements with other regulated firms and by using as much of the support offered by the FCA as possible. So I hope you found that helpful. And if you require any further advice, feel free to contact us. Thanks very much for listening. We will see you next time on our next podcast. Goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. Goodbye from me.